Welcome. We're so glad that you joined us. And uh, on behalf of the All People's Church staff, we want to recognize that it has been a difficult season with the racial tension, with COVID, and so many other heavy topics. We know that it's been a challenging time for each and every one of us. But we also want to let you know that it is at the forefront of our mind that we care very much about the things and the issues that are at hand and that we're looking forward to the future with great hope. As I said, my name is Jeff Bianchi, and I'm the family's pastor here at All People's Church. It is a delight and honor and a joy to be here. And uh, it's amazing that it's been over almost four years since I joined staff here at All People's Church. And, uh, but the interesting thing is that I haven't always been a family's pastor. Prior to my coming here to San Diego, uh, I was an associate pastor and for 12 years and a lead pastor for five years at a church, one of our sister churches up in Boston. And um, there was a series of events that led to our transition from there to come here to San Diego. And I want to share that with you uh, and bring you into a season in our lives and season in my life that was really difficult. It was disheartening at times, heartbreaking and uh, a difficult time, but a time that by God's grace, we were able to navigate so that we could be here with you guys. And it's a great delight and a great joy. But before I go into that, I'd like to share with you an interesting and uh, actually fascinating story about a man by the name of Hiru Onoda. Hiru Onoda was a lieutenant in the Imperial Japanese Army, and he was located on uh, the island of Lubang in uh, the nation of the Philippines. And in August, uh, I'm sorry, February of uh, 1945, the American, the American uh, military came in and took over the island of Lubang. And uh, Hiro Onada was one of the few men that escaped into the jungle. The rest were captured or killed. And Hiro and a couple of guys went into the forest, and into the jungle, and uh, the rest of them were eventually killed. But, but one interesting thing is that Mr. Lieutenant Onada uh, was not uh, able to be found. And then eventually he stayed on the island and did not surrender for 29 years. In 1974, uh, the Japanese army sent a commander to the island of Lubang to command and to demand that Hiru surrender. And so as he came out of the jungle, he had his dress uniform on and he had a sword and he also had his gun in working condition. I want you just to think about that for a moment. This man refused to surrender for 29 years. And it's fairly simple to understand why he wouldn't surrender because for him, surrender meant admitting defeat. And for him, surrender meant uh, that he had lost. But one of the things that it's important for us to understand in the spiritual walk and in our walk with God is that it is different from a natural war. We are in a war for the souls of every man, woman, and child on this earth, for them to come to know the love of God through Jesus Christ. And we are in a war uh, for our own souls and our obedience to God. But contrary to natural uh, things and natural warfare, in this war, when we surrender, 
we win. When you surrender to God, you win. When you surrender, your family wins. When you surrender, each and every one that is around you wins. Surrender in this context is also called self-denial. Self-denial is described this way. As, as for a Christian, it means renouncing oneself as the center of existence. Wow, what a statement. Self-denial though, it's very important that we make this clear, and self-hatred are two separate things. Self-denial is actually the surest way for fulfillment. You know, we've all been called to surrender our rights to God. Here are some of the rights. The right to a reputation that's been carefully crafted. The right to get what we want, when we want it. The right to a dream that we've had. Or the right to being offended at someone who has done us wrong. How about the right to a certain level of financial security? A concentration camp survivor, Corey Ten Boom, who wrote the book, The Hiding Place, said this about surrender. I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But that which I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Wow, what an awesome thing. Today, as we continue our series, Lost at Sea, you notice we're here at the ocean. We're going to see how Jonah's surrender to God was necessary and able to accomplish God's will. Remember, let's look back in chapter one. Jonah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel, actually in the area of Zebulun in Galilee. And he was told by God to go to the enemies of Israel and to preach a message of repentance so that they would turn to God. Well, we remember from, from looking at the first chapter of Jonah that Jonah went the exact opposite direction. He went to Tarshish and he was on the boat and he was with a group of men and a storm came up and, uh, and, he began, and he admitted to these men, he said, hey guys, it's my fault. I'm disobeying God, the God of all. And uh, they threw him into the ocean and an extreme act of mercy, a huge fish, it's often said to be a whale, we don't know, but a huge fish came and swallowed up Jonah. And that's where we're at right now. But we're turning to chapter two of Jonah. And I want you to look with me at Jonah's surrender prayer as he was in the belly of this great fish. Read along with me in Jonah chapter two. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep of the earth uh, beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me to life from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. 
Jonah, as we see in this prayer, had come to the point where he would either surrender to God and fulfill his destiny, or he would, he would resist God and resist God's will, and he would die. Literally, he would, be, he would not have lived. The destiny of the Ninevites, which was the capital of Assyria, the destiny of these people were transformed because one man, Jonah, decided that he would surrender his life and do what God had called him to do. And as Billy Graham, uh, the most famous evangelist of our time, said in one of his uh, wonderful messages, the story of Nineveh is the greatest revival story in Scripture. In 2015, as I was really going through a challenging time of ministry, I was actually feeling betrayed. I was feeling misunderstood, unsupported, and I was feeling attacked. I'd been pastoring in Boston for 16 years, and many of those, most all of those, had been wonderful season of love and grace. And, but at this season, due to a number, a chain of events, uh, I was incredibly uh, in pain in an incredible way, and uh, I wanted to react. I felt like I was right. I felt like I'd been misrepresented. I felt like I was losing the security that I, that I had had being involved, even in the planting and starting of this church. And uh, I remember specifically at one elders meeting that I was leading uh, during that time. I, uh, I got up from the table and said, guys, I'm gonna go to the restroom. And I was so frustrated that I opened the door and I slammed it behind me. And I left the room and, and uh, I came back into the room and I, I repented to the guys and, and let them know uh, that I was sorry for my attitude. But the reality of that was that I was at a time when I had to choose. And this is what I had to choose, to be bitter or to be better, to surrender to God or to surrender to temptation. You know, during this season, this is what I kind of want to go through as we talk about Jonah today. God gave me five surrender prayers. These are not unique prayers to me, but these are, these are prayers carried in the heart of Scripture. And I want to go through these prayers uh, and mention how God worked in my life, how God worked in Jonah's life, and how God worked in the Lord Jesus, the, the Lord of all and the King of Kings. <clears throat> the first prayer that God gave me in this season was, I surrender the right to be right. You see, Jonah had to surrender the right to be right. Jonah was right. The Ninevites, the Assyrians, were not a good people. They uh, were people who sacrificed their children. They were idol worshipers. They were uh, against God and what they were doing. And he had, he had a prejudice against them. Um, the, these people, as it was said, were sinning greatly against God. But God had asked Jonah to surrender the right to being right about that and to take this message of repentance and forgiveness to them. You know, we as humans, I don't know about you. I think I do. I know about me. We love to be right. We love it. But who would agree with me that we can be right in fact about a situation and completely wrong in our heart and completely wrong in our attitude? You see, the goal of the Christian life is not to be right. The goal of the Christian life is to overcome evil with God's love. You know, I remember how I felt during this season 
uh, in Boston that I've been speaking about. I felt like I'd done the right thing. I felt like I'd been a team player. And I felt right about how I'd not been set up to succeed as a lead pastor. But God told me to surrender the right to be right. This reminds me of an illustration, a true illustration of Manjanero Subshop in, in uh, New York City. There were two brothers by the name of Salvatore and James Del Toro, and they owned two adjacent uh, restaurants to each other. The difference between them was two bricks wide, these two. And one of them was known as Manganero Foods, and one was Manganero's Hero Boy. Well, they had a disagreement over uh, one of the delivery policies for their subs. And as a result of that, they didn't speak to one another for 25 years. Two bricks between them, 25 years until they spoke again. You see, this true story illustrates the tragic consequences of a stubborn and an unforgiving spirit. Divisions and disputes based on a need to be proven right dishonor God and they destroy men. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary martyr to the Aka Indians in 1950, said this, one does not surrender a life in a lifetime, uh, in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. The next prayer that God gave me to pray during this season was the prayer, I surrender the right to get my own way. You know, Jonah had to surrender the right to get his own way. Jonah grew up disliking the Assyrians. Nineveh, as I said, was the capital of Assyria. And if he had his way, if Jonah had had his way, um, God would have punished them for their sins. And, um, but God had a desire to show mercy to a people that Jonah didn't care very much for. We, again, as it comes to us as people, we have a tendency to demand the right to get our own way. We want what we want, and we want it when we want it, and we want it how we want it. I acknowledge, and there's pain in this, that so many of our plans, so many of your plans, my plans, have been shattered, or at least, at least broken to some degree through COVID, and through many of the situations going on. But instead of growing bitter, we can choose to surrender. You know, as I'm talking about this season of life and surrendering the right to get my own way, what I wanted during this season, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, I wanted everyone to feel sorry for me. My flesh wanted this. I wanted everyone to understand my per perspective. I wanted to feel validated. And I wanted to continue to lead the church in the way uh, that I wanted to. But God challenged me to surrender the right to get my own way. Ugh, I surrendered the right to my role as lead pastor during this season. You know, I said to God, if it's best for this church to move forward, all I want to do is lead this church into the future. But with what's going on right now, with, the, with, the, um, with the, the hurt and the pain that's going on in the church, I wanna do whatever is best. You know, I ultimately resigned from that position, but I'm telling you this, I believe God got what he wanted, not only because of me, but because a bunch of people surrendered the right to get our own way. The church is flourishing now, I'll go more into that in the future. 
But Eric Little, who's portrayed in a wonderful movie by the title of Chariots of Fire, it's actually an Academy Award winner in the early 1980s, and he was a professional runner, and he was a missionary to China. He says this about surrender. God's will is only revealed step by step. He reveals more as we obey what we know. Surrender means that we are prepared to follow God's guidance wherever or however he guides, no matter what the cost. The third surrender prayer that God gave me was this one. I surrender the right to place, position, and possessions. Jonah had to surrender the right to place, position, and possessions in going to a hostile nation as a prophet. You know, he was maybe kind of what might be known as a superstar in Israel, but to go to a hostile nation uh, was a difficult thing. You see, uh, he grew up in the time that, uh, that Jonah likely was in the school of the prophets run by Elijah and then by Elisha. And he had a place of prominence in Israel, but he chose in that time to surrender his right uh, in the belly of the whale to surrender the right to place, to position, to possessions for the sake of God. You know, over the course of my last 30 years in ministry, I've had to surrender the feeling of being overlooked and undervalued so many times. You know, sometimes that feeling was valid, but you know, a lot of times it was just the natural human condition that we all face. Something about the broken, human condition in us causes us to feel like an outsider and to feel undervalued in the eyes of others. I sadly have placed too much of my identity in the place and position in my life and ministry, and it's been through a radical dealing with God and relinquishment that I've come to a place of greater contentment than I've ever known. True leadership, I want to say this, and I hope that we can take it to heart today, True leadership is not about the type of position you hold, but about the influence you have on those around you through servant-heartedness. You see, um, I am not an overseer of the Antioch movement at large like I was many, many years ago. I'm not a lead pastor or an elder like I was just a few years ago, but I believe I'm in a greater place of fruitfulness than I've ever been in my life. And that's because God wants me to be here and he wants me to be here now doing what I'm doing. And he wants me to be comfortable in my own skin. I call out to all of us that we, through surrendering the right to place position and possessions, are able to be comfortable in our own skin. Oswald Sanders in his book, Spiritual Leadership, says this, those who lead the church are marked by a willingness to give up personal preferences to surrender legitimate and natural desires for the sake of God. The true leader is concerned primarily with the welfare of others, not with his or her comfort or prestige. The fourth prayer, he gave me five prayers, but the fourth prayer that God gave me during this season was, I surrender the right to have the story told in my favor. Whew. Jonah finally made the decision when he was in the belly of the great fish to be willing to be misunderstood, not only by the Israelites, but by the Assyrians. He had to trust God to be his defender. He had to accept that he could be rejected, but he also uh, had to understand that it was worth it to risk and to surrender his right to have the story told in his favor. 
Wouldn't you agree with me? It is so incredibly painful when we feel judged or misunderstood by other people. In certain situations, I know in my life, and I'm sure in yours, I feel this desperate need to defend myself and to tell my side of the story. But we're invited by God in this time to surrender the right to having the story told in our favor in order to be able to fulfill our ultimate destiny. In following God, we will be misunderstood by this world around us. But even the more painful thing at times is that we'll be misunderstood by other believers in Jesus Christ. You know, referring back as I've been talking today about um, this time in Boston, though it was not at all the intention of the, of the friends and the people I was walking along with, I felt that I was being blamed for things that weren't my fault. And everything within me cried out to tell my side of the story, why I wasn't set up uh, to see the church succeed and why things were difficult that I felt like were being blamed on me that were other people's fault. I was so angry and I wanted to defend myself, but God made it very clear to me that he didn't want me to do that. Basically, God said to me, Jeff, don't mess with my church. I knew he was telling me if I shared my side of the story at that time, while I was still the lead pastor of the church, that I would inject bitterness and hurt at a greater level into the church, and it, might, it would be a powerfully destructive force. God reassured me that he would defend me and he would take care of me if I would defend his church. Oh, that we would be a people who defend God's church and who defend uh, other people and surrender the right to be understood. Praise God, as I've said, that this church in Boston is doing great today um, because not only me, but people surrendered the right to have the story told in our favor. And the last prayer that God gave me during this season was this one. I surrender the right to my reward in this life. Whew. Jonah in this prayer surrendered the right to his reward in this life. You know, seeing the destruction of Nineveh would have been a great reward to him. Being a popular uh, Northern uh, Kingdom prophet would have been really great uh, for him. But he, in this prayer, as he was in the belly of the whale, in this prayer, he looked ahead to his reward in heaven. And uh, he was not guaranteed that going to Nineveh was going to be rewarded. And even if it was rewarded by their repentance, he wasn't going to be, uh, in the natural, super happy about it. But ultimately, he chose God as his reward. There have been times in my life where I've tempted, been tempted to want my reward in this life. I've seen someone else get something that I wanted. I've seen someone else experience things, whether it be recognition, a position, a possession, something like that. And I've had to continually come back to the fact that my reward is in heaven. And that reminds me of a story. There was an old missionary couple that was returning from Africa after 40 years of service. And they uh, had been uh, had a, a good time on the mission field, but they'd also been beaten up over the 40 years of service and had probably not seen as much as they wished they had seen. But they were returning home after 40 faithful years of service on a ship to New York City. It just so happened that President Teddy Roosevelt was on the exact same ship that they were, and he went on a two-week expedition, a hunting expedition to Africa. He was famous for those. 
And uh, the husband said to his wife on the boat as they were coming back, there was such a stir around uh, President uh, Theodore Roosevelt. He said, it just doesn't seem fair that we're coming home and, and all of this attention is being given to um, President Roosevelt. And we've been serving for 40 years and uh, there's not much of any recognition for us. They ended up docking in uh, the harbor in New York City and uh, a huge fanfare, the mayor and dignitaries came and the red carpet was, was rolled out for, for President Roosevelt and he, as he walked off and the husband was still dealing with this. The husband and wife got off the boat and after 50 years overseas, they didn't have anyone to come home to. And they got back to uh, New York and they, they uh, rented a small flat or they moved to a small flat on the east side of town. And uh, the husband was still wrestling with this issue. And in the night before bed, the husband said to his wife, I'm really still struggling with the fact that, that uh, President Roosevelt gets home after a two week, uh, basically vacation. And he has the opportunity to have everyone excited about him and a party thrown. And he comes home and he gets adulation. And we come home and we get nothing. And she says, honey, I think you need to go and to pray. I think you need to seek God. And so he went into his room and after a bit, he came out again and uh, his face was shining and his countenance was completely different. And his wife looked at him and she said, honey, tell me what happened. And he said, you know, I was praying and I was pouring out my heart to God about Theodore Roosevelt coming home after just a two week vacation uh, and and being uh, receiving such a warm welcome and that we came home after 40 years and we received nothing. And do you know what the Lord said to me? And she said, no, honey, what did he say? And he said, the Lord said, you're not home yet. And that's exactly what is meant by the fact that your reward is to be in God and to be in heaven. Our reward is to be in heaven. This is the kind of perspective that has helped me through the seasons. I've, this season I've spoken about today and the seasons I've been in life um, that, you know, I have a wonderful relationship with the folks in Boston now, even those that hurt me the deepest. But really my reward is not in that. My reward is actually in the Lord and in his everlasting kingdom. Jim Elliott, who I quoted earlier, I have to quote him again. What a great quotable guy. He said this, and it's probably one of the most famous quotes, but let's take it to heart today again. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. I want to talk for a moment. We've gone through a bit about my life. We've gone through a bit about Jonah, but it's all about Jesus. Jesus is incredible. And Jesus is the wonderful and primary example of a surrendered life. You see, Jesus was always right, yet he surrendered the right to be right so that we could be forgiven and we could be restored to God the Father. You see, Jesus had a human desire. We see it in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's uh, sweating drops of blood. He had the desire to avoid the cross, if possible, in his human nature, yet he surrendered that right in the garden in order that we might have salvation. Aren't you grateful for that? Jesus had the right to the highest place, which he had already possessed with his Father for all of eternity. But he surrendered it so that we, you and me, might have a place with him. 
for all of eternity. And Jesus surrendered the right to demand that everyone praise him and tell the story in his favor before Pilate and the Sanhedrin so that we could receive favor from God for all eternity. And one more thing. Oh, if you're not excited yet, you're going to get excited now. Jesus surrendered his right to the reward as the king of Israel during his days on earth so that he could be the king of kings and the Lord of lords of every nation for all of eternity. Praise his holy name. You know, I want to challenge each and every one of us who are wanting to fulfill our destiny in God to, as Jonah in the whale, and as Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, have a fresh surrender of our lives to God. You know, maybe you haven't realized that surrendering to God is a vital part of being a follower in Jesus. And I want to remind you, when you surrender, you win. When you surrender, your family wins. When you surrender, the church wins. When you surrender, the city wins. When you surrender all you have to God, when you lay your rights down before God, He will become your defender. He will become your provision. He will become your protection. And He will become your all in all. Maybe you haven't realized, but maybe you've been evading being fully captured by God. Maybe you've been a bit spiritually like Lieutenant Onoda was, uh, and referencing back to the beginning of this message, because doing so, surrendering would uh, areas of your life would mean you'd have to give up control. But you know what I want to say? Today is the day for a fresh surrender to God. Let's remember that in your relationship with God, when you surrender, you win. Jonah's surrender to God transformed his life and it transformed the city of Nineveh. Jesus surrendered to God, transformed all nations for all times. The question I have for you and the question I have for me today is whose life will your surrender transform? You know, what if we all became a people who like Jonah and ultimately the Lord Jesus surrendered all we have for all of our lives to God? What if we were a people who surrendered the right to get our own way and have everything we want when we want it and instead make a way for God to move mightily among us and throughout our city and the world? What if we willingly surrendered our right to having our reward in this life and stored up our treasures in heaven by seeking God's kingdom first? And what if we gave up the right to place and position and willingly served God and others with a joyful heart that transforms this hurting world. Why don't you take a moment today, right where you are, and ask God, as I pray, if there's an area which He is asking you to surrender. And when you hear His voice, surrender to God. And remember the fact that when you surrender, you win. Father, we're so grateful for how good you are. We're so thankful that you love us with all of your heart. Lord, we can love you because you first loved us. We can serve you because you first served us. We can know you because you knew us before the beginning of time. And Lord, right now, we just say as the psalmist in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See whatever hurtful way be in me and lead me in your everlasting way. Lord, we wanna say as a church at all peoples, uh, we want to surrender our rights 
and receive you as our defender, as our provision, and as our joy. We thank you that you are worth everything we have. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.